The Where to Hunt Where podcast. To hunt podcast. Yes. It's, yes. It's, okay. It's, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Hi, I'm Dan Small, host of Outdoor Wisconsin, and I listen to Where to Hunt. Nah, it's okay. I'm Kurt Geyer with Working Class Bowhunter. I listen to Where to Hunt podcast, and it's decent. It's decent. Uh, it's all right. Hey, this is Bud Fisher with Catching Deers, and I think the Where to Hunt podcast is all right. All right. Greg, you can say stuff now. Oh, hey, Greg, I didn't mute you, did I? Oh, you know what? I totally muted both of you by doing that, didn't I? One second here. Oh, hey, Greg, you're unmuted now. You silly, you silly man. I forgot you're not in the studio. (laughs) We're practicing social distancing. Following protocol. The distance from my brain to my mouth is increased, too. I can't think straight today or talk right. Yeah, you've socially distanced your brain to your mouth. Dude, hey everybody! Welcome to the show. Uh, my name's Eric. I'm one of the hosts of this silly thing. And uh, you Greg, have the what are you of having your co-host? Co-host out here in the middle of nowhere. Blog writer, archery, Blog, arrow builder, like a modern day bow shooting MacGyver. So. Wow, that's- quite an accomplishment <laughs> you're a pretty accomplished guy I mean, you built the table we're sitting at i'm sitting at you're not here today i feel like you are here in spirit somehow wow. like yeah I, I just want to look you in the eye and talk to you but anyway hey let's call out our sponsors here we're getting weird uh that's my fault so yeah get to it you're getting a little emotional i know hey i'm drinking this coffee i did find reserves i know i ran out a little bit but i forgot i had another bag like up here for display. So uh, backwoodsgrind.com, if you head on over to their website, it smells delicious. And you know, as the grocery stores are literally running out of everything, including toilet paper and coffee. And if you're drinking more coffee and you're spending time at home um, using your own shitter, and then you're wiping your ass with, you know, toilet paper, you're really gonna run out, but you also are gonna run out of coffee and you're pooping more because you're drinking coffee. It's kind of this cyclical thing. Anyway, you can avoid the grocery store altogether and just yeah. go to backwoodsgrind.com. And enter in code W2H podcast and save 10%. That's what I was trying to say the whole time. Yep. Okay. And order some delicious coffee from yeah. Backwoods Grind. Uh, Gumleaf USA, gumleafusa.com. These guys uh, make incredible boots. I wore some over, not some, I wore my pair uh, over the weekend. And Greg, I think you took yours on another trek. Well, I had mine on today, and I had mine on on Saturday, and I wear them all the time now, pretty much whenever I'm headed out to the field. And hopefully, I'm going to be uh, getting them wet in some walleye water here soon. Ooh, that sounds good. Uh, well, you know, for the record, they are rubber boots. Uh, they do have an insulated kind, an insulated zip kind, and an uninsulated kind, and... Uh, they're comfortable, they're durable, they're 85% natural rubber. They're really nice boots. So head on over to gumleafusa.com, take a look, watch their videos, and then if you want to save 10%, you can enter in code W2H2020. And lastly, musket powder. Uh, homemade, camp tested, musket powder. Go to musketpowder.com, it's a seasonal. 
put on everything, add a little bit, and then add some more and completely cover. I see you using it every day. I did. Yeah, I did make some barbecue with it today. Well, you made barbecue out of the seasoning? Dude, you didn't even look at the story, did you? I did. I'm just messing Not with you, I man. that I would expect you to because you're pretty busy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, go to muscapowder.com, enter in code W2H podcast, and you're going to get a buy one, get one. So buy one, share with your friend, be greedy, do whatever you want. Actually, I would say probably don't be greedy now, but um, it's good stuff. And with that, we got a guest on the line with us. Well, before we get into the interview, it's time for the recipe of the week. The recipe of the week. The recipe of the week is brought to you by musket powder. Completely cover, then add a little more. Camp tested. You hear that? That's the sound of tastiness. All right, so the recipe this week comes from a listener out of Michigan, Clayton. Uh, all right, so this recipe is bacon venison burgers. Serving size, there's about six burgers depending on how big you make them. The ingredients are pretty straightforward. You're going to use two pounds of ground venison. If you got it, six ounces of bacon. Uh, kosher salt with black pepper to taste, vegetable oil, sliced cheddar, cheese, which is optional, hamburger buns, don't skimp, get the good stuff. I actually like the, what is that, the onion, something or other buns, you can pick and save, and then some other, like the pretzel buns are really good. Um, oh God, I always love talking about food. <laughs> Lettuce, tomato slices, this is probably going to be something that will be really good in late summer when you can get some garden fresh tomatoes, but... Uh, additional burger toppings that you like, pickles, onions, etc., And then, you know, the directions insofar as how you make it, uh, get your grill ready for direct heat. Uh, form the ground meat into six patties, three and a quarter inch to one inch thick. Season each patty. If you got musket powder, hint, hint, that's one way to do it. But you season it on the outside with salt and pepper on both sides. Drizzle, light, drizzle lightly with oil. And then set the patties on the grill and close the lid. Grill for four minutes on the first side. Time it. Uh, I do this often. I won't say Siri because she'll do something on my phone. That's what I'm looking at. But I'll just be on the grill and say that because I will lose track of time one way or the other. It'll either be too quick or too long. Um, and then don't touch the burger once you set it on the grill. Uh, wait for it or wait for it to fall apart. When you lift the lid, uh, it will release easily. Flip the burger and cook it on the second side for about three minutes. More for medium rare, four to five minutes for medium, or until it's done to your liking. You can also use a meat thermometer, 120 degrees Fahrenheit for rare, 130 degrees Fahrenheit for medium, and 140 degrees Fahrenheit for well done. Remove the patties from the grill and serve immediately. Uh, making cheeseburgers, top the patties with cheese after you flip them. The cheese will melt. Oh, that sounds so good. While the bottom cooks. Serve the patties on toasted hamburger buns with lettuce, tomato, Add mustard, ketchup, all that other stuff that you might like. And then serve with homemade potato wedges, coleslaw, or whatever else you want. That is our recipe of the week from Clayton out of Michigan. You are our winner of some musk powder this week. Clayton, thanks for sharing your recipe. We will get that posted to our website and shared on our Instagram and Facebook pages. Uh, it sounds delicious. Now, let's get back and get into our interview of the week. Steph, are you still hanging out there with us, or did you decide that we're crazy and you and you bailed? <laughs> I'm still here. 
become so, like a couple of idiots. We are a couple of idiots. <laughs> we like what we do. So it's all good. You're so Steph, uh, I'm not going to try to say I'm your last name. Here. You're going to have to help me out here. <laughs> Busenbark. 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 Yeah. Like beer tree. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Booze and bark. Well, that could have been the name of the whole thing. Yeah. Right. But we went with Woods and Water Project instead, which sounds way, way cooler. At least less alcoholic. <laughs> I do have two drinks right now. So we you did come prepared. You know you know what you're getting into here. I did. That's good news. Um well, tell the audience a little bit about yourself. So you're on the show, you're hanging out with us. Uh, we got an hour together at least and um you know, some of the questions I ask out of the gate is, where are you from? How long have you been hunting? What do you like to hunt? What's your weapon of choice? Do you hunt public or private? Oh, boy. Okay, so I'm Steph Busenbark. I'm from eastern Iowa, a uh, small town called DeWitt, Iowa. It's near the Quad Cities, if you're familiar. I grew up hunting since I was five years old. My dad took me waterfowl hunting for the first time. My first memory, it's pretty vivid. And he took me with him every season since then. So I've been hunting <clears throat> majority of my life. I hunt with everything. So weapon of choice, primarily bow. I'm, I am an archery instructor. So I do try to bow hunt as much as possible. But I love rifle, shotgun just as much. Pretty close. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, that's. That's me in a nutshell as far as hunting. And then I started a company this past year called Woods and Waters Project. It's a podcast, and I put together events related to the outdoors. And and that's it. That's exciting. Uh, Greg, what? I'm supposed to let you ask yeah. some questions. I'll let you ask questions while I pour up my scotch. Happy St. Paddy's Day, guys, by the way. Will you shut up? God. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Pour your scotch, man. Pour your scotch. So that's pretty cool that you are are doing that, trying to get women involved in the outdoors, getting them into hunting. Is that what Woods and Waters Project is all about? Is it just about getting women or is it about getting everybody in? It's about everybody. I, I do, I, I am putting together classes and events that are more geared toward women specifically. Just, just being a young woman that's involved in these things is, I've found in my area, which is really surprising, must be pretty rare because I do get pulled into a lot of different things. I work with a lot of conservation groups um, and a lot of organizations to do women's events because there's a big call to attract women into the outdoors, especially related to hunting, so we can keep, you know, the sport alive. So I do a lot with women specifically, but I'm also putting together co-ed events and my podcast is men and women of all ages, so... You, cool. you had posted yeah. uh, not that long ago, I, I have no concept of time, by the way, but I think you had posted <laughs> like, hey, I'm going to do this co-ed thing. And, you know, what are some of your thoughts as a group? Um, and by the way, I don't care what the answer ends up being because we're going to do it anyways. But did that event happen or is that still happening or is that uh, not going to happen because of the coronavirus going around? Where, where is that all at? Yeah, uh, the co-ed events that I was planning would be for May, June, and then into the summer. Okay. So um, hopefully that's far enough out that those can still happen. I haven't posted much on those recently because of, like you just said, the coronavirus and not sure if people would even be thinking about something like that right now. 
but it's definitely still going to happen, you know, <laughs> pending this gets better and the coronavirus and everything. And we can put those events together hopefully soon. So you're, you're doing a lot of like, so let's just pretend the coronavirus isn't a thing right now. How many events have you put together for Woods and Water yeah. Project so far? Uh, primarily I've been putting together women's events and I've put together um, or have been a part of about a dozen archery uh, events specifically. I am a USA archery coach. Archery is kind of my sweet spot. Uh, it's where I feel the best and like most at home, but I love everything related to the outdoors. So I'm expanding outside of that. But I've done a lot of intro to archery, bow hunting classes, workshops. I partnered with an organization called Field to Fork, <clears throat> where we took myself and nine mentors, mentored 10 new hunters. So they have never hunted before, never shot a bow typically before for most of them. And we took, te we took 10 weeks with them from never hunting, never shooting a bow to being proficient, pulling back at least 40 pounds and taking them hunting for the first time. Wow. Um, that was extremely rewarding and being a part of that, like just solidified everything that I want to keep doing. So a lot of my future events are related to bow hunting, but we'll be doing a lot of stuff like waterfowl hunting, coon hunting, skinning, um, <clears throat> and tanning stuff related to fly fishing, salmon fishing. So lots, lots of things. That's a wide, wide gambit. Where are you doing a lot of that stuff? <laughs> I'm going to primarily focus in the Midwest mostly eastern Iowa, but we'll do some things in northeastern Iowa and then Minnesota, Wisconsin as well. Yeah, that sounds really ambitious. I mean, salmon fishing in particular. <laughs> um, you know, you, you got a ways to go to get to some salmon water. Either you're going all the way to Lake Superior or good old Lake Michigan. Yeah. Is that what you're, is that the and type of salmon not, fishing you're talking about? Or are you, are you going to find some like streams or something like that? Or what, what, um, or rivers? <laughs> wherever salmon dwell because i know greg so, does salmon fishing on, on the big I, lake yeah yeah so i'll be working with the salmon fishing in particular i will be working with i'm looking at a couple different groups to partner with on that that's definitely not going to be just self-guided by myself <clears throat> that would be a learning opportunity for me as well so there's some things that you know, that I'm proficient in and I can work with the DNR in to make happen myself. And then some of these events are just to build that community around something and doing something fun together, especially for women. I get a lot of emails and messages about, hey, would you take me hunting? Would you take me fishing? Would you, would you do this with me? Or will you put a group together? And if you do, let me know because I, I want to be part of a community like that. It, it happens all the time. So some of the things that are really me being the teacher and other things are me being alongside of these women or people learning with them. Yeah. That's so pretty, it just depends. That's pretty cool. Um, yeah. I mean, you'd be able to get a hold of a pretty decent charter and, you know, some of the charter captains are pretty good about showing you what's going on on the boat. Um, others are, you know, it's just like anything else. You find people that are willing to help and willing to teach. And then you got guys that just they kind of, do their thing and they they're quiet to themselves and they they go about their business Which, so, where, you, where do you fall on that spectrum greg i've never done it what's that where you fall on that spectrum as a charter captain <laughs> no 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 are you volunteering yourself captain. there's no certification i think nope. greg wants to take uh -uh. you guys boat boat's only big enough for two other people remember yeah yeah i remember <laughs> 
<laughs> walleye boat. A little walleye boat. <laughs> but I'm just I'm just sharing some ex whatever I wouldn't even call it expertise, but advice that I would say if you're gonna have a group of people, six to eight people, you can fit them on a, a good sized charter boat. And if the seas are calm, everybody should be okay. But seasickness is kind of a big thing. People get pretty ambitious. Yeah, they get ambitious about it. They get out there, everything's cool for a little while, and then all of a sudden they turn green. So have your Dramamine with. So, okay, and then you said... I'm pretty sure that would be me. When you said, you said waterfowl hunting too... Yeah, dude, by the way, don't take your eyes off the horizon. That's the trick. I, I... Never got seasick in my life, and then one time went below deck to take a piss. I came back up, and I was like, whoa, what's happened? I totally understand now. I had no empathy for anybody. I'm like, what's wrong with you? Why are you sick, pansy? And then it happened to me, and I was like, oh, that was the worst thing ever. <laughs> Terrible. You just did an event, though. Like, were you just hunting some some birds? Yeah. Uh, one of the best things about the podcast is being a part of so many groups i've met some really freaking amazing people like on a regular basis and i have become friends with some really great people one of them being happens to be a snow goose guide um and he invited me up or invited me over and down to missouri um to go snow goose hunting for the first time and it was a blast it was so much fun i've i'd never done that before and it was definitely an experience how did you prepare for that? What, like, what did you have to do for someone who's never done that before? What was that like? Is it similar to other things? Uh, I mean, I kind of just showed up <laughs> with my, <laughs> with my shotgun, you know, and just like I, the first day I got there, I didn't actually hunt the, my friends just kind of put me to work and, made me put the decoys out and help with the spread and, and learn as I go, like understanding why they set it up the way they do uh, the flight patterns of the birds, like how they come in, what feel, like how you pick your field. It kind of gave me those lessons and what to look for before we actually hunted the second day. Uh, but honestly, it was just, I was in a lay down blind. Um, so you just obviously wait till they're <laughs> kind of right above your face it up and shoot that's kind of freaking awesome i did like i would just fall asleep probably it's like the best naps ever i had the best weather so when it was slow it was just sleeping most of the time that's like going to the movie theater like oh we have these dreams lounge seats where you can recline and it's heated i'm like well i'm a parent like i'm just gonna sleep now (laughs) this is really comfortable (laughs) Uh, i was spoiled like the, the weather was perfect and I met up with a, I didn't know anyone besides the guide. I actually was hunting with half a dozen guys from South Carolina, like the bottoms of South Carolina with the like deep Southern drawls, the nicest guys ever. Uh, so just complete strangers, just me and a complete strangers, snow goose hunting in Missouri. It was, it was an experience. That's cool. That's cool. And that's cool that like as yeah. a woman, you're, you're, you know, comfortable and confident in doing that and people are treating you with the respect that you deserve in that space. Like it's not something you have to be feel fearful of or anything like that. I'm glad to hear that um, you're able to do those things. Yeah. It makes people nervous. Um, you know, like my, my dad and some people don't love that I do stuff like that. Right. Uh, but I, I, I definitely felt safe and I was in really good company and yeah. they were, they treated me like one of them 
the entire time. So lots of farts and things like that. Yeah, like they weren't, you know, once they like warm up, they start swearing around me eventually and tell dirty jokes and it's it's all good. It's good to go. <laughs> it just takes a day usually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so waterfowl hunting, See. salmon fishing. Is turkey coming up for you guys in <laughs> Iowa too? Yes, it's so close. It's like a week and a half away. It's my It's my favorite. Turkey hunting is my favorite, by the way. So very excited i'm just waiting for greg to chime in here because i can't look at him does he hate turkeys no no, no turkeys. i'm just trying to he give him the space to, to ask the questions i'm trying to oh, like yeah. not be so quick <laughs> yeah the snow goose hunt is something you could totally handle eric um i've done Sounds it a like few I could times sleep. it's fun yeah <laughs> hang out in a, in a layout blind and uh wait for geese to come by if you're gonna fall asleep don't do it with your mouth open because if they do fly oh. over oh Good point. Might be uh, might be bombs away. I could just see myself falling asleep and like waking up to pow, 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 Eric, get the fuck up. <laughs> you know, like, that's cool. So do you have? But they're so. Do you have like, a freezer full of, of snow goose now? Do, did you? Make... Sorry, I'm good at I'm good at interrupting. Okay. My bad. <laughs> they they they're they're when you watch them. Like when they're really far up there, it's like tantalizing because they're like crisscrossing over each other. And then when they get hungry, they ball up in these big groups and they make a bunch of like chatter noise. So it it, it would wake you up. Like I, I honestly think for the most part, like you wouldn't sleep through it because as they get closer and about like the guide says, like sit on your face, like you wake up. <laughs> so it's, you wouldn't have to worry about that. That's awesome. I I went yeah. duck hunting uh, with a guide, and unfortunately, I think it was just one of those things where they were there one day, and then they were gone the next, and we, I was there the next day, of course, and the okayest hunter had the okayest luck. I just didn't see a damn thing, <clears throat> but we were just standing in this water and, and waders the whole time. I'm like, man, I just want to sit down at some point, you know, and that wasn't an option. <laughs> I was just like... <laughs> All right, so here we are, you know, and that was my only experience with it. No ducks and just standing water. Now, we did eat, you know, a lot of venison sticks, so that was nice. Uh, but that, that was kind of it. But you're a big turkey hunter, so you love turkey hunting. What do you love about turkey hunting? What, uh, what's, what's the excitement there? That's your favorite, favorite thing, even more than whitetail? I, I think so, yeah. Like, and honestly, it's probably... I've thought a lot about this. It really depends. And it really depends on the company that I'm with too. Um, but turkey hunting and upland, like bird hunting are two of my favorite things. Um, deer hunting, like what was a bow? Those three are my top, my top three for sure. But turkey, I just, I, I don't even know what it is. It's just, the hoot owls in the morning and like when the toms like the forest like comes alive and they're calling back to you and you get them just like coming in aggressively like 20 yards away from you uh and you hear them spit and drumming you actually hear the like like that noise if anyone that they make with their chest it you can feel it like on the ground and i i don't know it just gets me really pumped up my number one hunting goal is the grand slam for turkeys. I'm 
I don't know. I'm obsessed. I'm, I'm not really sure what it is. I just get really excited about it. What's the Grand Slam? The Grand Slam is all for breeds of turkey oh. in North America. So in Iowa and, and most of the United States, we have Eastern turkeys. And then we have Osceola's in Florida and Miriam's West Coast uh, and then Rio Grande. Uh, closer to like Texas, Arizona. That's awesome. So I would like to get, yeah, I would like to get all four breeds with my 870 I got when I was like a kid. I've shot every turkey that I have with my 870. And I would like to get the Grand Slam with my bow. So I'd like to get it twice. Holy shit. That's I, my, how many that's people can goal. say they've done that with one weapon in their lifetime? You're going for round two. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I don't, yeah, we'll see or die trying, I guess. I just have a really fun time and my little brother has gotten really into turkey hunting and that's something that we'll do together. And I don't know. I, I can't, I can't explain it. I just like right now, like I'm like energy. I was getting a little sleepy earlier, you know, now I'm all like, <laughs> like out of my skin. <laughs> get you some back- we got to get you some backwoods grind coffee for starters, but, and then we got to just yeah. talk turkey. <laughs> What gets you going? Uh, you know, why don't you just talk about turkeys? You know, uh, that'll wake me up. <laughs> gobble, gobble, gobble. What, so what kind of call do you use? Use the one that, that goes, got, like, what's that call that goes in, the, in your mouth, Greg? Dude, what is that called? you got to work on your turkey call. you got to work on your meep, yell. Meep, 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 meep. How's that? I, I totally do. Yeah. Are you talking you're, to me? You're working on it. No, I'm, I'm talking to Eric. There's a diaphragm, and then there's the, the uh, you know, what's that thing that that I see the bourbon calls doing all the like time. A, with like a you got a diaphragm, Di- box call, box call. call, a wing bone. Slate call. Which one do you use, Steph? I use a, I use a diaphragm, and then I've been trying to do it with just my mouth, but I'm not real good at it. Oh, I come on. Give it, give it a go. Give it a go. Someone doing the, oh, my God. No. It's not going to be good. You have to do it on the spot. This is, this is your moment. <laughs> Oh, I thought that was you. I was like, for... I know that. Show off. How did you do that, Greg? No diaphragm. How did well, you? I got a voice for a boys' oh, choir, that, so I can do that. that. I don't know what you did with your mouth. That must really impress. I do anything with my mouth. It's on the vocal cords, bro. <laughs> what? <laughs> like, what do you mean? Like, I can, I can beatbox. I can beatbox. If you can beatbox, you can beatbox. Well, good. Turkey you can beatbox. I can beatbox with turkeys. You can beatbox with other people. <laughs> That's a talent that I have that not many know about. I'm not going to do it, but because we're not trying to beatbox. Stupid human trick. I don't know. That's pretty neat. I can talk turkey. Steph, can you do yours? Uh-huh. I was, but Greg uh, stole my thunder. I'm sorry. I, sorry. I blew you away. I didn't thunder chicken. No, that. and his is way. His is way better than mine. So. Oh, way to go. Exactly. Way to go, Greg. Way to make our guests feel like they <laughs> suck at life. <laughs> Except, yeah. Greg, can you, do, can you do the owl? Can you do like a hoot owl? That's pretty ooh. decent. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I can do it. I can Actually, do that I one. somebody talking back to me right now. I'm in my mother-in-law's dooryard. And there's about ten acres of woods, and we have a, a family of owls back here. And I just had one call back. Shut up. No why? I I can do that call. It just goes like this. <laughs> yep, there he is. He's going again. I can't hear it. 
All right. I think it just goes, who oh, cooks for now. you? you uh... Who cooks for you? Who, oh. who cooks yeah, for you? That's so good. That's my real goal. I can't like not, I not even not even close. That's awesome. Holy crap! Keep practicing, you'll get it. I mean, I had uh, 16 years of riding around the service truck to sound like a bird. So <laughs> practice my duck call, my goose call, and uh, and my my turkey calls in the truck. Otherwise, my wife would throw me out of the house. Can you do that thing that Chancey does with uh, white tail adrenaline, where he does the the buck snort wheeze? A grunt. Uh, I've not really done a, a, a grunt or a wheeze. I'll have to practice that one on the way to work Ooh, in the wow. morning. So we got you something there. He made you that thing, that art, right? Yes. Yep. yep. <laughs> he did a, a painting of my Labrador. That's pretty cool. So on feathers. Fine job at that. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's on a turkey feather, and it has mallard wing feathers in in uh, put in with it. It's pretty cool. Interesting. So I sent them a picture of my lab with a with a green greenhead mallard and he he made it for me so he painted it up for me looks awesome so steph i want to ask you a couple questions about archery and you'd said that you're certified um what is that certification or what is that called so i'm a level two archery coach with u.s archery so it's a certification through U.S. Archery. And what's and what's a level two? What is that? Uh, how many levels are there? Or is that high, low? Is that in the middle? Of good, it's a brown bad? belt, Eric. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think there's five levels. Uh, so as a level two, you basically have access to, it, it's really the resources that you have access to more than anything. But like you're insured by U.S. Archery. So if you put events together, obviously you protect yourself as far as, injury goes you also are able to teach and explore archery programs uh there's a lot of opportunity to potentially teach collegiate uh or work with the kids in school programs as well and honestly it's just like good basic knowledge like i i really didn't do it for anyone but myself like i just long story short i you know like i said i grew up hunting I started shooting a bow when I was 11 years old. And then a few years back when I was really, really focused on my career, I grew up very blue collar and I had a couple changes in my career path along the way, like a lot of people. And something I was really focused on was making a lot of money. And I did that for a few years where all I did was my job. I didn't really have time for hunting or anything that I loved. And I, even though I was working my way up, and working myself to death, I wasn't having a lot of fun and I wasn't happy. So when I wasn't doing that anymore, I threw myself right back into hunting, like really hardcore and went for the archery instructor certification because archery was always my happy place. It's like my medicine. And so I wanted to just like go full bore and get, get into it as, as fast as I could. Cause I missed it so much. It was just a really big piece of me that I, I needed back. So I really just did it for that. And I've been asked my whole life to teach people how to shoot or take them hunting. And it just kind of evolved naturally. It wasn't, it wasn't like on purpose <laughs> necessarily to turn into what it is. That's incredible. Like That's a, the, the leap you have to take in your mind to kind of get over that hump of this is like, you know, a blah, blah career to, I need to go back into my roots and what makes me happy. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think sometimes it was always in the back of my mind. Honestly, the way it came back to me was I'd have these long trips for work. I supported companies all over Eastern Iowa. Uh, I was an account manager and on my long drives, I would listen to a podcast. Uh, actually, it wasn't hunting related, but it was called Dirtbag Diaries. It's one of my favorite podcasts. And uh, it's, it's, it's mostly about like hike, through hikers, mountain climbers, um, that kind of thing, that dirtbag nomadic lifestyle. And I just, it is like made me so happy. Like it was the best part of my day was listening to that and like escaping back to that. And just the outdoors in general is always in my happy place. And it just, it like really woke me up. And it just made me want back in to what I used to love so much. That's incredible. It's hard for people to do that. It's hard for people to kind of like, I'm probably, honestly, I, I'm, I'm like liking this part because I'm a little stuck there myself. I'm in this career position doing what I do, but then I have this on the side. If it wasn't for this, I don't know, like I probably would be less fulfilled with that, you know, um, obviously I have my family, but yeah. like it's yeah. professionally speaking, this is my oxygen, you know, I'm, and Greg, you got a great gig. Like you have a company that you're proud to work for that has good people and, and it's right around your knowledge base, everything that you learned in the industry. Um, that's, a, right. that's a fascinating thing to hear. Yeah, yeah and I think to your point, Eric, like it makes you more grateful for the other things you do when you when you start when you start putting that time into the things that you really love. I, I think it also makes you more grateful for the other parts of your day, like your job. If it's not your dream job necessarily, I still think it makes you grateful because it allows you to do those things that you love yeah. in, a, in a sense. I yeah, think, it's hard. Yeah, it's important to not take it for granted. I read this book called The Spark and the Grind, and it, it was a good book for me to read because it talked a lot about, you know, we lose touch with creativity as adults and blah, blah, blah. But so, you know, you have to appreciate your day job, too. It does afford you some things and you do learn a lot there also that you can apply to other things. And it's just kind of becomes a melting pot. What I learned there helps me here. What I learned here helps me there. And it's all kind of coming together and, you know, allows me to take care of my family. So that's Man, that's a whole different topic in and of itself. I was really curious about the archery <laughs> stuff because you're teaching people how to do something. And I think there's a lot of folks that are scared, not scared like, ooh, it's a scary thing, but scared to be vulnerable to learn something new at a later age in an industry like hunting where there's a lot of guys and gals that are rough around the edges that come from this blue collar world that might appear to be prickly even though they're not like Greg looks like a fucking grizzly bear. So if you didn't know him, you wouldn't know he's a teddy bear, but you know, you look at that and you go, man, these guys and gals have all of these fancy things. These bows are intimidating. There's all this stuff. And so for you to kind of be their Sherpa and carry them through it, especially women too, like that's even a whole nother layer deeper of difficulty. And it's like when you go to the gym and you're out of shape, you're like, well, fuck that guy's ripped or that girl's ripped. I have no, I have no chance to get to that. And then you become self-defeating before you even start. And so it's good that there's folks like you that are doing something to bring people into the space. I'll let you kind of respond to that. And I got a question to add to that too. So when you're done. Yeah. Yeah. I I really appreciate that. I, I think something that I'm still getting used to is being told that people are intimidated by me, to your point, 
and I, I feel like if you know me as a person, I am I am definitely not intimidating as right. a human pretty, being. I'm pretty I, I scared of you. Don't try to be. <laughs> but I get told that a lot that I intimidate people, and that that's a really that's that that is a hard thing for me. And I, I know it comes from like what you're saying, like oh you're so skilled in A B C, and I I just get so like every time I do a class, every time I work with somebody and it's mostly adult women and they go to the line for the first time and shoot that arrow. It's kind of like this deep breath that happens after like, okay, that wasn't as bad as I thought. And then they keep shooting and nine times out of 10, they're like, this is pretty badass," And they feel really good about themselves. Like they, they aren't, it's really rare that someone puts the bow down and thinks this isn't for them. And the first time I did a class, which was, a, which, which was kind of on accident. And I saw that it was just, I, it just like, it just felt really right. Like I needed to do this and I needed to introduce this sport. I, I feel like I, I'm a recruiter by day. People, people is my thing. Um, and so I feel like I'm good at connecting with people and making them feel comfortable and making them feel like they can be themselves. So I think if I can pair that with archery, which is like helped me be, be my best self, like that's a really, really good feeling. And I don't know what else I could say about that, but it just, it's really cool to see people come in a little nervous, a little scared, and then buy a couple arrows in, they just let their walls down and they're laughing and they're having a good time. That's awesome. I'm trying to get my wife to go and shoot bow and arrow, and she's done it before, you know, as a younger person, probably in high school. Um, but, you know, there's always, a, well, you know, I remember hitting myself in the arm once, and it really didn't feel so yeah. good. So I don't know if I really want to yeah. do that. You know, I'm like, well, you know, they make compound bows. You can shoot a compound. Just like, no, no, I, I don't want to do the compound. I want to do a, a real bow. Okay struggle stick you want to you want to really get educated or see frustration <laughs> but she's pretty determined but if she sets her mind to something she'll just go and do it and everything will be fine so with that it, it uh <laughs> it'd be nice to see her pick it up and do it but there isn't anybody around in my area that does that that i'm aware of and again we haven't looked real hard either so um when you're going to do all this, you're, you're putting together a class um, to show them how to shoot. Where do you get the bows from? Do you, is it one of those things where you're going like to a pro shop to ask them for like a sponsorship or you're working with a bow company? How, how does that uh, come about? Yeah, it's, it's been multiple things working in tandem. So I bought a couple bows myself, just some, like, I, I just need a couple of them to start. I reached out to Genesis Bows, who's owned by Matthews. Uh, if people aren't familiar with Genesis, they're beginner bows, beginner compound bows for the most part. And you can customize them to be for more, like, kiddos or for grown adults or for hunting. And they're pretty affordable. I reached out to them, told them what I was doing, the idea for the company, what I was, you know, my vision and they worked with me on getting better pricing for the bows. 
uh, and kind of sponsored me in a sense. So not for free, but then what I did was I reached out to, I have a trailer. My dad actually surprised me for Christmas and bought me an enclosed trailer. Well, he traded a toolbox for it. My family is a big bartering family. I grew up pretty poor. (laughs) Everything I've ever had hunting related, my first bird dog, my first gun, my first bow, uh, my dad traded something in for it so I could do those things. And my trailer was the same way. He traded in a like a snap-on toolbox for this trailer. Yeah, those things for aren't me. cheap. Holy crap. And <laughs> no, no. And honestly, like, you know, obviously my dad is the reason I'm into hunting and he is the reason that I am, am still into it. He's my, by far my favorite hunting partner I've ever had. But uh, he got me this trailer so I could go around for my events and he was going to do like a little workshop inside so I could work on both and everything. And then I had a couple companies like say, Hey, I'll sponsor you. Like I'll help you. One of them be being Whitetails Unlimited in Iowa. And the way that they sponsored me, they actually had multiple Genesis bows that they use for events, but no one ever uses them. Like no one around here puts those events together. So they're like, you can use our bows whenever you want to, if you just, you know, make sure to talk about us and our partnerships together. So that was another way for me to have, uh, free bows and national wild turkeys federation was the same way and now i have an awesome relationship with the iowa dnr so i own about five or six bows of my own and then i borrow an additional five uh from whitetails an additional two from national wild turkey federation and then i have access to uh quite a few from the dnr depending on the size of my event so some of them are mine some of them are sponsored um some of them are borrowed how exciting! It just depends on the magnitude of what I'm doing. Yeah, you must have been so jacked awesome making those initial calls, like to get them to get that buy-in, because you're doing it for such a bigger cause. That must have been a great feeling. It, it yeah, it's like this community is, especially when it's conservation. When you pull back into conservation, it just the community is rock solid. Like they're just great people, and they want they want to see this world survive and thrive. So they will bend over backwards for you. I, I just think you just have to be, not be afraid to ask or put yourself out there. If, if, if I hadn't said something, I would have had no idea that this was even available to me. I, I really didn't have any idea. How cool is that? Yeah, It takes a village to raise a hunter. So <laughs> you've, you've done well with that. You've established your village. Yeah, and you have a good following, right? Like you, you, you've done a good job with, like reaching out to people and staying connected and like actually building a real community and not just getting followers and likes and all that bullshit. You're literally like developing and <laughs> curating relationships with people and helping them and meeting them and face to face, which that's a challenge that we're going to be facing right now as a globe um, with the coronavirus. But yeah. I think because you've had a lot of that face to face interaction um, in the rear view mirror, it, that's going to make it really easy for you to stay connected with people socially uh, you know, digitally, so digital, social, whatever. Yeah, I think so. I, I've said this and, and, and Eric, I know you and I have talked about this before, but some of it, it really started with some of the conservation groups I was a part of, but once I started doing the podcast this last, and it's only been since October. So I'm Mm -hmm. just overwhelmed by the amount of good people I've connected with from being able to go fly fishing to coon hunting and snow goose hunting to resources and sponsorship. Every person I've ever had on the podcast has become either my friend or like 
or has become my friend, but has also become like my, my backbone. Mm-hmm. Like every one of them is supportive of me. Like I'm supportive of them. And it's just, it's, it's a really beautiful and fulfilling thing. And I know that, you know, I know you've had a, a similar experience too. So um, yeah, it just, it just makes me extremely happy. That's pretty cool. I mean, it's a great way to tie it all together. I mean, you already have a built-in community. We had Mark Kenyon on a while back now, like in, in January, which feels like yesterday. Um, you know, and he's like, you know, I was doing all this writing and, and blogging and doing write, you know, writing for publications. And she said, so when I did decided to do a podcast, like I just had this audience already that liked me and knew me. And so it was the next logical transition for you. That sounds very similar, but in a different way. Like you're creating events and bringing people together and doing training and learnings and education. And so I feel like, yeah, the next logical thing is a podcast, which you've done. And then those people are enthused and excited to be in your corner and cheering you on because they've met you. That's, that's powerful stuff for both sides of that equation for you and them. You know, it's like this perpetuating kind of cyclical you know, circle like you, you put in once you get out and then you get out what you put in and it just keeps going and feeding itself. It's pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. Super grateful. So, okay. Um, I'm just going to, while we're chatting here really quick, I'm going to show off your website just so people get a good flavor of like what, (laughs) like what it is. Um, so, and I spelled it wrong. Thank it's you. Woods and Waters Project. And so you're doing work. Yeah. Just to, just to yeah. like, um, kind of bring everything through before we get into the most memorable hunt and all that stuff. But like, workshops and events, stories and resources, bringing outdoorsmen together. You know, we talked a lot about the workshops and some of the different events. Um, what else? Are we missing anything? Is there anything else that we should be talking about when it comes to this? Well, I, I think, you know, a big focus for me this year is going to, I really enjoy writing and I, <laughs> I know that, I know that Greg is a, a new blogger, so maybe I could learn some things, learn some things from him, but. <laughs> no, you're going to get stupider if you try reading my stuff. You need to just follow your paths and keep on moving. Keep her moving. <laughs> I, I would like to share more uh writing wise on the site definitely but something I've been playing around with and I I know that this is something I want to do I just it's a whole nother animal is the video side of things and the YouTube side of things I but I struggle so much I tried this I went on a last year I went on a boundary water trip with two of my best girlfriends and I tried to videotape as much of it as I could and I was going to share it, like three girls, you know, backwaters, <laughs> just having this adventure. I tried doing the same thing with the snow goose hunt. And it was just so, it's so hard for me to be in the moment and also remember to do video. Because when you're doing video, you want to like show all the like, as many details as you can, tell the full story. And it's just, it's hard. If you've ever done video, like it's really hard to be in the moment and enjoy hunting or the outdoors for the reason that you enjoy it and also videotape it with you an audience. S- you seem like the kind of person so that I'm needs to be in that. the moment. Like I, I, th- I see that being a particularly yeah. different, difficult challenge for you. I'm similar. I can't. I just, I, I bought a DSLR. I was going to do it. I was like, I'm going to make YouTube videos. And I was like, 
day one, I sold the camera basically. I was like, no, not going to do this. I mean, it was a pretty quick decision for me. <laughs> yeah, because pictures are one thing because you can like take the picture, put it down, come back to it later. But video, it, it has to be much more involved. And kudos to people who can do it. It's yeah. really, it's really difficult. Yeah, and there's a couple doing a good job with it. Um, Growing Wild's got my attention. Chasing Chase Nation's got my attention. There's a couple folks doing a good job. Byron with the Whitetail Experience is doing a good job. There's a there's a couple of exemplars right now that are just captivating such a good or capturing such a good story. But if you're not good at getting the story and you're just running a camera, then it becomes self defeating anyways. You might as well put the camera down. If you can't tell a story, then just give up. <laughs> like you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That might sound mean, but I have coffee and scotch. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but I've been double fisting this whole time. I got coffee in one hand and scotch in the other, so I'm not really sure what's happening with the mixture. (laughs) Irish coffee. Irish coffee. Irish coffee. So if the coffee chase with whiskey or with the scotch, drink the scotch, chase with it's like been the whole time. I'm drinking wine and Miller Lite, so you're like a lot classier than I am, for sure. I don't know. I mean, that's the wine really kind of evens that out. And and the Miller Lite's just kind of like intermission. You got to have some water to stay hydrated. <laughs> That's funny. Greg, I interrupted you per usual. Uh, you were going to say something special, I think. No, there's nothing special. <laughs> just that I, I partook in a few yangling here. Oh, yanglings are good. I had might those... have been smuggled. A, yeah, smuggled yeah. across the border. They ain't from these parts. <laughs> Where'd you get the yangling from, you son no, of a bitch? They... Well, I tell you, but I'd have to kill you. All right. You know, I didn't see Hubbleton at the at the <laughs> at the uh, liquor store. What the hell's that all about? Uh, I think there's a coronavirus shortage or something. <laughs> Not 100. percent Corona sure. sales got to be doing. I know. Great. I haven't seen Porter. Yeah, I haven't seen the Porter out in a while. I'm not sure yeah. what's going on there. I don't know. Pretty weird. You know what there's not a shortage of? Scotch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, okay. There's a lot we could talk about. And here's what we're doing with the Word Hunt Podcast. We're doing like, you know, a part one. So we're getting to know you on this episode. The audience is getting to know you. We're skimming the surface on a lot of things. So we're going to invite you back at some point here in the near future. And we're going to go into a part two and we'll, div- we'll dig deeper. Um, but... Dude, do you know how many people we owe a part two to already? All of them. All of them. (laughs) But that's, you know, whatever. Hey, we're going to do that. I'm good at my word. But I I wanted to, I planted the seed earlier today um, when we were texting about prepping and stuff. And, you know, hopefully you've been thinking about it, Steph, but I want you to share your most memorable hunt with us. Yeah. Okay. So... This might be a corny answer, but I think it's always, it's always going to be the first memory, but then it's always the last one and the next one. You know what I mean? So I love hunting in the outdoors as a whole. It's really hard for me to pick one thing. Snow goose hunting was my last, my last hunting experience. And I, I am going to be thinking about that until I go to Nebraska with my little brother turkey hunting. You know what I mean? So like that, it's just going to be stuck in my head. I, I enjoy the process and every type of hunt so much. So it's definitely the last one. And then the next one, just getting excited for the next, next experience. But definitely if I had to pick one, 
it would be the first time I went hunting with my dad. It's just to be just barely five years old and vividly remembering loading up in a truck with my uncle and my cousin and my dad and going out to a marsh and we like set up against a tree and he stood next to me and like held a shotgun up to my shoulder when I was, you know, five years old and watching the ducks like fly through the trees. And I remember him wading out into the water and like picking up the ducks out of the water and, you know, one of them wasn't quite dead. (laughs) So kind of wringing its neck a little bit and just looking at me like, Oh my God, I'm about to ruin her. And I just vividly remember that and how I was kind of like, like what's happening. But I somehow decompartmentalized that and just knew this was something special to do with my family and with my dad and to bond with him. It was the same month that my little brother was born. So it was a thing like, you're going to learn this so you can do this with your little brother someday. And here I am in my late twenties doing this with my little brother. So it just always comes back to that. Like waterfowl hunting isn't necessarily my favorite thing, but that memory is very vivid to me. It replays the exact same way in my head all the time. And it's just, I just, I've just known from a really young age that this is really important to me. So definitely the first one. And then second would be the last thing I did and the next thing I'm about to do. That's pretty cool. Um, I, <laughs> I think it's really neat to hear. So like, just it's just funny i started this podcast seven years ago i can't do math so i'm 34 that would have made me 26 right i think (laughs) fuck you greg uh that made me 26 i know he's mumbling something or yeah it's difficult uh that was just such a different time in my life. And now here I am 34. I got a, you know, a son and a daughter. My, my daughter's two and a half. My son's six months. And so I'm not far from the memory you just described, short of the fact that I don't actually you know, get any ducks when I hunt ducks. But, you know, there's probably going to be some sort of story around <laughs> a whitetail and just saying, like, you're going to do this with your brother someday. And how awesome that that's the legacy that you get to carry forth that you learn from your dad and now it's a pastime with you and your brother that has a bond around it that's impermeable. Like, how would you ever break that bond? You you can't. And no matter what you guys have going on in your lives outside of that arena, once you get back into that wild space and wherever you're doing that, I bet you the rest of the world just melts away. Because as brother and sister, you guys probably drive each other freaking crazy. Maybe, maybe not, but... <laughs> As like, I mean, he's, you know, we're both in our twenties now and it's different. We we have a really good relationship. Well, now now there's alcohol. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, I don't mean to make this like a, a sad story, but I feel this last year, my, my brother was in a really bad work accident. Okay. He's really lucky to be alive. And it was actually the day. That day, we were leaving for Montana to go Miriam turkey hunting together. And, uh, yeah, he was in a really, really bad bad accident. Uh, an excavator line snapped and, and threw him, basically. And he, were, he was a, he's a pipe layer for the union. And that day, we were going to leave for Montana to go turkey hunting together. And he now has, uh, you know, permanent damage to his uh, kidneys and has to be on dialysis every other day. 
and he's 24. So, you know, luckily he's young and healthy. When that happened, he recovered in a crazy kind of way, but he can't travel very far. Um, and there's a lot of things that he has to work through right now, but turkey hunting is our, is our thing. So this year, like it's all about, he's doing Iowa with me and he's going to Nebraska to get a Miriam with me this year. And so it's like even bigger than that. Like it's something we didn't get to do last year. And honestly, our relationship is just, it's just different. Like perspective, like when you almost lose somebody, it just, the, the fighting <laughs> and stuff like that. It doesn't, melts away. it doesn't, uh, yeah. Like we just, just on Saturday, we went up to some land that we have access to, to pull some trail cameras and put some new ones up. And it was just, it was great. It was a great Saturday. Like I couldn't have thought of another, another thing to do, you know, like nothing better. So it just, hunting always brings us back to our good place. Wow. Wow. Thanks for sharing that. That's, um, you know, that's pretty close to the, to the vest. No, that's special. That's very special stuff. That's not a a dull drum at all. That's, uh, you know, I think we need to hear that kind of stuff. We want to keep it real, right? Yep, absolutely. Wow. Those are good hunts. That, that's a good story. And, and you got a lot going on. You have a ton going on. I think you're off to a great start. <laughs> There's a good friendship forming here. You know, like it just, it's just a neat time to be in this space. I think you're going to do a, a lot of great things. And honestly, there's probably some fun ways we could partner together in the future too, with some stuff, because our goal is to lower the barrier for people Absolutely. to get into the, into the outdoors too. So, um, however we can do that, you know, that's something that's really important to us as a brand. Yeah. We, we need more people like you to help others get into the outdoor space, whether it's hunting or fishing, hiking, whatever. It's important. And the Boundary Water trip, man, there's probably some yeah. good stories in there too that aren't even hunting related. I, I, that was one of my best memories ever as a, as a trip in general. Like that's a very special place that there's nothing else like it on this green earth that I'm aware of. And uh, that's yeah. a really neat place to go visit. It's cool. It was amazing. It was for three of us like girls that were, you know, best friends, but we typically, our way of spending time together is boozing, you know? So like to go do something like that and not, not be drinking, I don't know. And it it was just out of our norm as friends and it, it made us closer, like without a doubt. Yeah. It, It was very cool. You get to know people pretty well in that, in that environment. When you can't bust out your phone and separate, you got to like be in the moment and do some, yeah, it's uh, I went with three buddies, three of my, my closest friends and you know, during the day we all kind of, we had our moments, we separated and did our own fishing or canoeing or foraging or whatever. And we had jobs we had to do to, to make sure camp was going to be running. And then we'd come back together at night once those seeds came out and we'd be in the tent playing card games and just having <laughs> a blast, you know, honestly, super I'm- cool. I'm pretty sure mosquitoes are made there. Like they're born God. and bred there. I have some stories. Every one of them. It's like the worst ever. So it was bad. crazy. My buddy, my buddy Shane, who tuned in for a little bit. I'm not sure if he's still watching. I, I don't think he is, but he, he's like immune to mosquitoes. And it, it's like so much so that I get a tick in my eye thinking about it. Like it stresses me out. And I remember he had ran out of the tent to get something and he's <laughs> out there 
and we can see the light was hitting him just right where th there must have been 1,000 mosquitoes on his face. And we're like, get in the tent, get in the tent. You would have thought like it was a zombie apocalypse out there the way we were screaming. And he's just laughing. He's like, what, what? And we're like, oh my God, get in the freaking tent, you psycho. There's a thousand mosquitoes on you. What is wrong with you? Man. No, I hate mosquitoes so bad. So much. Me Stupid too. devil bugs ruin everything. <laughs> they were, that, that was the worst part for sure was mosquitoes. Yeah. Yeah. You think of these wild places and you see the Instagram photos like that's beautiful. And like, yeah, you don't really know what's going on there. You know, there's like you know, horse <laughs> flies and what are the other flies? The ones that just bite. Are they called biting flies, Greg? Deer flies, Deer, black, black flies, flies don't see them. There's things. a bunch of different things that could get you. Then the mosquitoes and the gnats. It's like, yeah, dude, no. And leeches. Leeches really yeah, bad. Because every time you have to pour and it, you can't you forget. To walk into the water. You can't forget ticks yeah. either. Oh, the ticks. Right. Yeah. They, yeah, nature's they, a real you find bitch. Them later on after they. Why do we like? Why do we like nature so much? What's wrong with us? <laughs> Spiders? Like, come on. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> Rattlesnakes, scorpions, when you go into Arizona, yeah, pretty cool. It's pretty cool, he says, yeah. That's pretty cool. Pretty cool when you have to check your boots. <laughs> I remember being in the desert. Hey, check your, yeah, boots, check your boots before you put your boots on. All right. Uh -huh. Yeah, that was real. I checked my boots mm -hmm. religiously. You would not see me put my boots on without checking them. Cool. Steph, how do people find you? Where do they go? What should they do um, when they get there? You can find me on Instagram at my personal page is wild and route or Steph Busenbark. And otherwise woods and waters project is woods and waters project on Instagram or www.woodsandwatersproject.com. Cool. And that's waters plural. Not like I goofed it up. So yes. woods Wood and waters with an S waters. S. Yeah. Super cool. <laughs> Cool. Well, I'm going to go ahead and end the live broadcast. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We appreciate it. Um, make sure you go check Steph's stuff out. Go to woodsandwatersproject.com, and uh, it looks like you can get to everywhere you need to go from there. So thank you very much for tuning in. We'll have this thing buttoned up tonight in podcast land. All right, this is our news of the week from around the country brought to you by eHunter. eHunter, eHunt, and then the letter R, Electronic Hunt Resource is your go-to site for anything and everything hunting related. eHunter is the last one-stop shop resource you will ever need. I highly recommend checking those guys out. And uh, with that being said, we'll switch it over to Taryn Hunt with eHunter for our update of the week. Hey guys, it's Taryn Hunt with eHunter.com. Back with your news for this week. This week is for March 8th to March 14th. We have news all across the entire United States, so I'm gonna be jumping from state to state, so hopefully you guys can stay with me a little bit here. I'm actually gonna start in the state of Missouri. We had a really big article that went out recently um, about one of the big hunting shows. Most of you are probably familiar with the Hunt Masters TV. Uh, Greg Ritz is the host of that show, and he has recently been charged with a couple of, of offenses. Um, his court date hasn't happened quite yet, 
But if you want to read the details on those charges, what they entail, go to ehunter.com and and check those out. Really, really interesting story, really big news. Uh, we see this a lot with a lot of uh, quote-unquote celebrity hunters. Um, and Mr. Ritz is kind of the next one on that list to, to be charged with, with some offenses. Uh, a couple of things that he was charged with was baiting for deer illegally as well as wanton wasting. So check out that article for more of the details. I'm next going to move to my home state of Colorado. Uh, recently, in fact, just uh, the last part of uh, the week there, um, there was a report in Larimer County that a mountain lion had attacked an individual, a man. Uh, Larimer County Sheriff's, Off Sheriff's Office showed up to assess the situation. When they did, one of the deputies went to see if she could find the mountain lion. And when she did, she did find the mountain lion, but the mountain lion ended up attacking her. In the article on the website, there's a, a video where she explains a little bit of what happened. So pretty crazy. There's two people attacked in the in the incident with the mountain lion. The Colorado Parks and Wildlife did catch up with the mountain lion and did take care of business there. But check out that article. Check out that video. Pretty interesting story. Uh, we're going to jump now to Wisconsin. Uh, we have another uh, sad incident here where a man, a Wisconsin man, was charged with Lacey Act violations. And if you're not familiar with the Lacey Act, basically what it is is it it is trafficking illegally animals to different areas. And so there was a man that was charged with with an, a Lacey Act violation. He's part of the Hidden Hills Outfitters there in Wisconsin. Uh, going to stay in the United States. Uh, I do have one article. Uh, that's actually outside of the United States. We're going to stay in the United States for now. Moving to Wyoming. A lot of people are wondering about the mule deer numbers in Wyoming and really actually across the entire western United States. How the mule deer numbers are looking. Are they growing? Are they decreasing? We had an article written um, by one of our staff members, Jim Heath. He is a local there in Wyoming. And he wrote the article about the mule deer numbers in Sheridan, Wyoming. Are they truly what people think they are. So if you're interested in knowing what those numbers are, go check out that article. Next we're going to go to Ohio. Ohio has had elk in the past and they're trying to get things in place so that they can reintroduce elk. And the article that we put out was, is Ohio ready for elk reintroduction? Is the habitat ready? Is the environment ready? Um, really good information in there. If you, if you hunt Ohio, and or or hope to one day hunt elk in Ohio. Check out that article, a lot of really cool information. And then the last one here in the United States is out of Idaho. Idaho is looking to increase their non-resident hunting fees. Uh, this is a new bill that is in place to increase those fees for non-residents. There's some representatives that are on board with it, some that aren't, but to, to know the details on that one, again, go check out the article. A lot of us hunt Idaho as non-residents. It's a great state to hunt. If you've never done it, strongly encourage you to do so. It's a really cool state to hunt in. Um, but if they do raise those those fees, then it'll be a little bit more expensive for us to do it. But like most things in this world right now, it's getting more and more expensive. We're going to go north of the border now, up into Canada. And there's a a place there in Canada and I would lo I'd love to be able to try and attempt to say the name of the place but I would mess it up and then I'd get a lot of flack for it so but um, check out the article it's got all the information in it but what they're thinking about doing in that place is banning caribou hunting 
And I know caribou is on a lot of people's bucket list to harvest in their lifetime. And a ban on caribou in this area could possibly be a good thing, but also, again, would limit hunting opportunities for those that want to punch that tag in their lifetime. So go check out that article if you're ever interested in hunting caribou. Um, may may limit our options uh, in that area in the future. And then the last thing I want to touch on, we did release a couple new uh podcast recently and updated the articles on our website so you'll see new news articles on our website one for the bighorn sheep release on antelope island in utah new podcast published with jace taylor of the utah dwr and the other one was a, a podcast that we did with mark boardman with vortex optics just getting some of the new updates that's going on there with vortex trying to keep us updated and what's going on with some of the bigger companies in our industry so those are your news articles for the week of march 8th to march 14th if you guys have any questions please reach out to myself uh, my email is taron h so t-e-r-r-o-n-h at ehunter.com again ehunters e-h-u-n-t-r.com thanks guys If you've made it this far, you're a diehard Where to Hunt podcast listener, and you must love the tip of the week. Uh, the tip of the week is brought to you by Deer Vein. Head on over to DeerVane.com. That's D-E-E-R-V-A-N-E.com. Our uh, good friend Anthony Heller is the founder of Deer Vein, and he provides super practical and insightful and just good tips about whitetail hunting. So he does our tip of the week, and we love him for it. That being said, we'd love it if you'd go take a look at his content. His YouTube channel is great. His Instagram channel is great. Uh, that's what we got to say about that. Anthony, why don't you take it away from here? Hey, everyone. Thanks for hanging on to the podcast this long. I know Eric's got some great information, so appreciate you sticking around all the way to the end. Uh, my tip of the week this week is to get out and do some archery, some 3D archery shoots this summer. Uh, they're a lot of fun. You meet a lot of great people. They push you beyond your comfort zone. And also, they keep they give you a reason to shoot over the summer. A lot of people just neglect shooting over the summer because you don't need to be ready until the fall. So you kind of get lackadaisical and you lose a little bit of your mindset. But if you do, you pre-plan a few archery shoots. Uh, you know, it keeps you in tip-top form. You're always practicing. And for me personally, I never want to do poorly on them. So I practice more and more. It helps me personally get a lot better. And then also, you know, a lot of times when you're shooting does and you're shooting deer or elk, whatever you're hunting, you're never in your comfort zone either. Like you're always got a little bit of buck fever. It's never just, you know, as easy as it is shooting them in your backyard. So when you're out doing 3D shoots, you also get a little bit of that discomfort so that you have a little bit more of what it's like to be in a realistic situation when you're actually trying to hunt. So hope that helps. Hope you guys find that useful and uh, you get out, you put some money towards your local archery clubs, your local archery shops, and uh, meet some new people this summer. Great tips, Anthony. Thank you so much. Um, It's a really good piece of advice, actually. 
You know, I just want to uh, cap the episode off by saying, hey, thanks everybody for supporting the podcast. I sent out some stickers uh, over the weekend. If anybody wants a sticker, just hit me up, send me a message on Instagram or Facebook or wherever you uh, consume social media content and uh, I'll see what I can do about getting you one. And uh, additionally, you know, our blog is going to get some TLC. We got a, f- a couple of folks that raise their hand to be writers for the Word Hunt podcast or the Where to Hunt brand, I guess. And one of those writers is Greg Tubbs, our co-host. So uh, Greg, thanks for doing that. Go ahead and check out Greg's newest article about front of center. What the fuck are you talking about is the title. Uh, Good plan words there. Pun intended. So that's what we got for everybody this week. Thanks for tuning in. Look, by the way, your reviews mean a ton. Uh, If you want to head on over to iTunes and and leave us a review, like uh, whatever, how many stars you think we deserve. And if you have any feedback or whatever, we'd like to get that feedback so we can continue to improve. And uh, our guest lineup continues to fill up. We're booked all the way into mid-June with some really awesome guests that we're excited to meet and talk to, to inform you all. If you have any guests that you want to hear on the show, let us know and we'll see what we can do to get them on. Uh, Same thing goes for topics, subjects, and uh, things of that nature as well. But that's all we got for today, everybody. Thanks for listening. And if you made it this far, you're awesome. We appreciate you. Have a great day and hunt public. Thank you.